begin at verse number 5, Matthew 8 and 5. I'm hoping to try to finish up this uh, section uh, this evening. Um, there's just a lot here, and uh, to be honest with you, we've, we've spent more time here than I thought we would spend, but I, I don't think we've spent more time here than we should have spent. So um, we're just being led by the Holy Spirit and thankful for the Word tonight, amen, and what the Word of God is uh, saying and speaking into our lives. Let's go ahead and read the text, then we'll make some comments, and then we'll jump back in where we left off on last um, Wednesday. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel." If we skip down to verse number 13, we see, uh, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, the title of our current study is, Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. The opposite of understanding is, Um, would be things like ignorance or even confusion. Um, Deception falls into that category as well, and deception is when you think you understand, but don't. Amen. Um, And so sometimes pride gets involved in that as well. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And sometimes, you know, we can think that we know what we need to know and understand what we need to understand when we really don't understand what we need to understand and know what we need to know. And so in the case of the centurion, we see that he had a tremendous display of faith, one that caused Jesus to take a step back and marvel at. But if we look closely, what we actually see is what this man understood. It was, it was the understanding in this man's heart that enabled his faith um, to, to, you know, work not just on his behalf, um, but remember, he, he wasn't asking for healing for himself. He was asking for healing for someone that was very near and dear to him, someone that he cared about, someone that he loved. Now, I don't want to spend too much time here because I want to try to get back into where we were last week, but there are certain things that we would experience in life that would form, I even use sometimes like a blacksmith, forge within us an understanding um, through things that we've encountered, things that we've experienced. And there are certain types of experiences and encounters that people have that would enable them to look at things in a way that other people who've not had a similar experience, um, you know, would look at them, and you know, you, you see things differently. 
Um, let, me, let me try to give you um, an example of, of this. Um, uh, someone who was raised during the Great Depression, for an example. Um, you know, these would be like you know, parents and grandparents who you know, were raised during that time frame. And, um, and so they look at things differently. Amen or me. They have, they have a different perspective on things because of those experiences. Um, Pam and I, uh, when, when we were younger, um, we worked uh, in uh, fast food. We worked at Chick-fil-A. And we've, we've often said that it, it should be a requirement um, because if, if you've never stood on the other side of the counter, okay, then um, you more than likely are not as patient with people on the other side of the counter as those of us who have stood in their oily shoes. Uh, <laughs> in other words, if, if you've ever tried to serve the public food and make people happy with their food and, and do it with a smile and do it uh, expeditiously with quality um, and, and have people, not everybody, um, but you would be amazed um, at, uh, at the way people can treat you and talk to you when you're just trying to get them a sandwich and some fries and an and a ice cold Coca-Cola. And so people who have worked in, um, you know, either as a server, waiting tables, or uh, in, in the food industry, um, those people have a, an understanding or a perspective on that um, uh, like if you've ever worked for tips, I've never done that. Um, but if you've ever worked for tips, then I would probably say that you're a pretty good tipper. Okay, are you, are you following? Um, we found out recently that um, that Daniel in his in his job um, that once a month they divide the tips, um, and um, and so now all of a sudden everybody in our family just got really really excited about tipping. You know what I'm saying? We have a different understanding of it now, right? Um, a, a, a different perspective. Um, but there's, there's one occupation, I think, that forms an understanding in people at a greater level and a, and a greater degree than any other, and that's those who have served in the military. Think about that for a minute. Those, have you not figured out by now, people who served in the military, especially people who served in combat, have you not figured out by now that they just have a different perspective on things than folks who have never had that experience, that have never um, been through that kind of, you know, boot camp and basic training, um, you know, that old break them down and build them back up, you know, mentality, especially, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about the, uh, this young man wanted me to pray with him on Sunday, um, that he literally feels like the Lord is calling him to the U.S. Marine Corps. And, um, you know, I talked about some of the men in our church who are Marines and have, have served and and um, I prayed with him about that. Um, but, you know, thankfully, it's not the same Marine Corps my father went to. You know, it's not the same Paris Island. Um, you know, uh, it's still, a, again, a, a pretty big commitment, let's just say it that way, um, to, um, you know, to go through that basic training and the boot camp and all those things. But the idea of it is when... Um, uh, people emerge from the other end of that experience. They have an understanding. They have a respect. They have an appreciation. They have a loyalty, um, unlike those of us who have never uh, been through uh, those kinds 
of uh, experiences. And so when we talk about this centurion, um, I believe his military training produced a level of understanding in him that um, is, in many cases, vastly different um, from most civilians. Um, and, and this played right into uh, him recognizing Jesus. And, and I'm not going to try to give you an exhaustive uh, list, but um, he clearly understood things like chain of command. Now, th- that is not that I'm trying to compare someone who served in the military to, w- to what I did uh, in the, you know, you know, serving as a 911 operator at the police and fire dispatcher. Um, but again, police officers, uh, sheriffs, uh, even uh, firemen, um, they understand a chain of command. I understood it in concept, um, but you know, work in it for a few years, and, and it's, it's instilled in you in a deeper way um, than it would be in someone who's never had that type of uh, experience with it. Um, this centurion understood a system of authority, and he had a deep respect for it. I'm not, again, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed that, and I'm, and I'm looking for a Brother Ronnie Croswell. Um, I'll never forget. I think it was one of Anna's first surgeries, and they only wanted two people to be back there with her. Do you remember that? Me and you were standing there together. Um, but they had made it clear that only two people could be back there with her, and now there's about nine of us back there. And, um, and, and Brother Ronnie's looking at me. He's like, they only want two of us back here. And, and I understood where he was coming from. Also, because I've been to a whole bunch of surgeries over the years, know that they say that, but they kind of look the other way, all right? But a Marine doesn't look the other way. When someone in authority says, two people back here, that means two people back here to him, right? And he's like, what are, you know, he's, you know, again, that's, that's from his military experience, his military training he had a different perspective and a different understanding on that than really all the other folks back there. I mean, you know, other people were like, you know, who cares? These are my babies back here. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. And it's not to say that Brother Ronnie didn't care about his daughter, but, you know, again, he had an understanding of this, um, a system of authority and a deep respect for it. Um, we've left this one out. We haven't really commented on this, but... Um, a centurion understood protecting and serving others. You, you see that sometimes on the side of a police car, uh, you know, to protect and to serve. Um, but, but that is also ingrained, instilled in uh, people who've had military-type uh, uh, training and experience. This is the last one I'll mention, and we'll just kind of move on here. But this centurion also understood what it meant to be a part of something much bigger than himself, and to not just be a representative of that, but to also be an extension of it. Um, he, he understood that uh, because, again, this was something that had been ingrained in him, instilled in him um, in ways that it has not, had not been ingrained and instilled in other people. Um, so do, do you see how all of this just played right into uh, his ability uh, you know, to, to operate at a, uh, at a very um, high level of faith. See, when we say faith will flourish in an understanding heart, what, just to make it clear, and I think most of you know this, is we're talking about a heart that understands things the way God understands them, a heart that understands God, uh, a heart that understands God's ways. 
Um, the Bible makes it very clear. You've got this world's way of understanding and doing things, and then you've got God's way of understanding and doing things. And Jesus clearly understood things and did things God's way, okay? But we also see that he was, was you know, desperately trying to get his followers, his disciples, to understand things and, and, and see things the way he understood them. Jesus, I've said this many times, Jesus clearly understood things differently from those around him, okay? Um, but it's not, it, it wasn't in a, in, in a prideful, arrogant way. It wasn't, um, he wasn't aloof, right, aloof. He, 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 was, he was very focused. He was very, um, you know, determined um, for those around him to see things and understand the way he um, understood them. Now, I'm going to put uh, a few statements on the screen. Um, some of these you've heard before, and, and so hopefully our discussion in the past about those will maybe kind of trigger what's that third one. The first one, we've talked about this off and on over the years, is when people try to live under the new covenant with an old covenant mentality. And then we've recently talked about people trying to live as a new creation in Christ with an old self-image. And then the third one is people trying to live by faith with the world's understanding. Um, And so obviously um, each of these is going to result in a a tremendous amount of frustration and and for that matter even failure uh, in our lives because we can't live under the new covenant and all the benefits and promises of the new covenant with an old covenant mentality. It's a new covenant. We need a new covenant mindset, a new covenant mentality. We're new creations in Christ. As long as we see ourselves as the person we were instead of the person we became, we're going to continue to live like the person we were instead of the person we became. So once again, we can't live as a new creation in Christ with an old self-image. And then this next one is, is I think, right in alignment with all of these. I think there's a lot of people who want to live by faith. They want to operate by faith. They want to receive from God by faith. But they're trying to to do that with a world-based understanding. Or as Proverbs says, um, by leaning to their own understanding. And and so a lot of times we express our way of understanding things. We, We say something like this, well, the way I see it, okay? Um, so you got people discussing and debating all stuff, and you know. So maybe like when you're going to offer your opinion, your understanding of it, you say, "Well, the way I understand it, or the way I see it." Okay. Well, again, if we're going to live by faith, we can't do it the way we see it. You follow what I'm saying? The way you understand it, your own understanding and faith, they don't jihad. They they're not going to work together. Um, so if you're going to live by faith. Um, you're going to have to understand things and see things the way God sees them. And, and you don't have to read the Bible very long to, to, to realize that God has a completely different understanding and perspective on life and, for that matter, everything that has to do with life than, um, than this world's way of seeing things and looking at things. So we've gone through this whole list, and I'm not going to take the time to repeat and, and review um, but the ninth thing on the list, and this is where we were last week, is we said the centurion understood that Jesus did not have to be physically present for his servant to be healed. And we simplified that by, just, by simply saying for the centurion, Jesus' word was enough. Jesus' word was enough. And so this, again, notice, 
you probably, you, it's probably very clear to you already, but let's make sure, okay? Do you see how this would have, um, you know, dovetailed with his military training? Because, uh, you know, in, in the military, um, someone failing to carry out um, a command uh, immediately uh, can cost people their lives. It, it can be the difference between victory and defeat in a battle for a nation. And, and so there is a, a, I don't know if this is the right way to say this, but there's, there's like a hypersensitivity, um, you know, to commands and words that are given. And so when Jesus says, I'll go to your house and heal your servant, he says, that's not necessary. Um, your word is enough for me. If you will just give the command, then I know that my servant will be healed. And I think that was something that, that really uh, just impressed Jesus. So let's go back to it. This is where we left off on um, last Wednesday evening, Romans chapter 10, verse 6. It says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. Let me get that one up there. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So notice what he's saying here. And I I was, as I often do, you know, driving home last Wednesday evening, um, you know, I'm like, Lord, you know, I know that I shared what you laid on my heart to, to, to share with, with the people, but, um, you, you know, I, I was just kind of going back over in my own head, you know, because so many people have this idea that if, if somebody's going to be healed, Jesus is going to have to come and do it. Um, this, this man, this was before Jesus became our our sin and took our sickness and bore stripes in his body for us to be healed. This was before 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed, okay? But this man says, you don't have to come and be physically present for my servant to be healed. All you have to do is speak the word. And so I was kind of going back through some of all that in my mind. You know, it's like, Lord, you know, am I telling everybody correctly? And this is this is what he brought me back to, which I think is pretty simple and pretty obvious, and I, and I wish I had thought of it last Wednesday to, to mention it then. Let's say someone in this room tonight wanted to receive salvation. Um, is Jesus going to have to come down here and save you? And, and, and the answer is no. He's not going to have to come down here and save you. Everything necessary for a man or a woman to receive salvation, Jesus has already done. And so we're simply, someone receiving salvation tonight would, would be someone who's simply responding to what Jesus has already done for them, responding to what he's already said, responding to what he's already put in place, responding to who he is. He is the Savior. He is the Savior of the world. And, and so the same then is, is also true when it comes to healing. And so he's saying that because righteousness of faith remembers a new day, the old covenant and that old covenant mindset, that old covenant understanding um, had to do with earning. It had to do with obedience. It had to do with performance and being good enough. 
the New Testament is, is not about what you do for God, as we've said over and over again. It's about what He has done for you. This is why this man could sincerely say, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, but it didn't disqualify him for healing. Are you, are you seeing this? Because this, this man recognized it wasn't about um, you know, how good or bad he was. It was about how good God is, about how good Jesus is in his life. And so, you know, I'm not, I know some may, may split the hair. I, I, do I believe Jesus still touches people? Yes. Do I believe the Holy Spirit is, is a real person? Yes. Do I believe that, that, that God still moves among us? And I, I experienced his presence in this room tonight. Yes, yes, and yes. I'm not trying to make this to be some kind of, you know, mechanical process, you know, um, because God is a personal God and he loves you. Uh, and, 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 and he'll put his hand on you and, and all these other things. But if, 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 you're, a, if you're a born-again man or woman, um, he, he lives in you, right? Uh, healing and, and all these things, they don't fall out of the sky and, and land on you. Um, they come from inside of you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening and making alive and strengthening um, your uh, physical body. So... What he's talking about here in Romans 10, 6, 7, and 8 um, is, has more to do with an attitude and a mindset. Or let me say it another way. It has to do with understanding. It has to do with understanding. So let me, let me see if I can wrap this part up, okay? Um, how, how many people today... Um, have an understanding that leads them to talk and pray as if they're waiting for Jesus to come fix for them what he's already fixed for them. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? In other words, if, 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 if you listen, the Bible says what's in a person's heart is going to come out of their mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so understanding is in the heart. And so how people understand things um, is going to come out of their, their mouth. I had a I had a, a conversation uh, recently with a gentleman, and, um, and, and he was believing God for a family member uh, to receive healing. And, and he was listing all of the things that, um, that, that his family member uh, had done for people, and all the widows that they had helped, and all this, and, 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 and all these people that he's so good to, and all, all sort of stuff. And, but notice that's his understanding. He believes that because you know, this person's been a good person and this and that, that somehow now, you know, like if God's ever going to heal anybody, he's going to heal this person. And that's not how any of this works. See, notice that's back to that whole, you know, God owes this man something. You know, this man deserves this. And again, it's all by grace. It's, it's not about what we deserve. It's about what, it's, it's about what God, but if you listen to people talk, if you listen to people pray real quick, like you, you'll find out the understanding that they have um, where these things are concerned. And so in many people, in many cases, people are waiting for Jesus to come do for them what he's already done for them. He's waiting for, him, for Jesus to give them what he's already you know, given them. And so, but notice now, this comes down to understanding. Either you understand that Jesus, when he said it's finished, he meant it's finished. What's, what's needed to be done has been done. Um, or you don't understand that. 
Um, and notice how a lack of understanding in this area creates all kinds of room and opportunity for the enemy to get in, you know, lies and deception and doubt, um, you know, in, in, into, into those things. We cleared up some things on Sunday about what it means to wait on the Lord. And, and it literally means to expect those who, who expect Jehovah. Amen. Have you been expecting things this week? I, I'll maybe share uh, it with you on Sunday, but I had one of the more amazing things um, happen to me yesterday uh, in a class that I was teaching. But driving to that class, I said these words out of my mouth. Father, I am expecting more today than I can produce on my own. I am expecting more results for your glory um, than I can ever produce by myself. In other words, it, you know, it's, it's the expectation. And so one of the things that we've talked about is, um, you know, understanding determines expectation. You know, what you understand about a situation um, has so much to do with what your expectations are. Um, have, have you ever thought, you know, your understanding was um, it was going to be one thing and turns out it was something completely different because you misunderstood Okay, so understanding when it comes to the things of God works the same way. And so, again, many people today have an understanding that then leads them to talk and pray like Jesus was not raised uh, and that that they were not raised up with him. So let me um, praise God. Let's go. We got a few more minutes. Amen. Let's go. Um, Let's go to Romans 8 and 31. Romans 8 and 31. Now, this is where, if you remember, we closed out 2020 and, um, and you know, got a running start into 2021 um, out of uh, Romans 8 and uh, 31, right? So, remember now, I want to try to string a few verses together in conclusion tonight. Romans 10 is telling us um, how the righteousness of faith speaks. And it doesn't speak as if Jesus needs to come and do for us, again, what he's already done for us, nor does it speak as if Jesus has not been raised from the dead. But what does the righteousness of faith, how does it speak? What does it say? Verse 8, it speaks the word. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, you're in Romans 8. Let me give you another verse. 2 Corinthians 4 and 13. I put it on the screen. He says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, Romans 8 and 31. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, in the sermon series that we preached uh, at the turn of the year, we were talking about the power of our response. And we said that how we respond in any given situation is the difference between success and failure. It's the, it's the difference between victory or defeat, and it can be the difference between life and death, 
how we respond. And so that's what he's actually saying here. What then shall we say to these things? Now, I want you to tonight to pay attention to that word things. What shall we say to these things? And as is the case with all the Word of God, this Word was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the word things is somewhat universal. Okay, go with me and let the Holy Spirit help you tonight. Um, He could have been way more specific, okay? But instead, he simply chose, what then shall we say to these things? Things is a universal word that covers a multitude of categories. In other words, let, let, me, let me say it another way. There's, there's, there's nothing that you can name that's not a thing. <laughs> Are you, you, you follow what I'm saying? Uh, so when he said things, he's basically saying, what are you going to say about anything and everything that, that comes up, uh, that presents itself in your life? So in other words, things could include and certainly does include situations. Um, Symptoms are things. Problems are things. Obstacles are things. Objects are things. Are Are you following what I'm saying here? So I believe, again, the Holy Spirit was being deliberately broad. He was painting with a broad brush here because if it has to do with you, if it has to do with some type of impact or influence in your life then it's a thing, and and what are we going to say about it, okay? Now, remember this as well. Jesus used words, obviously, to communicate. He's a brilliant communicator, a brilliant teacher. But Jesus also used words to heal people. Jesus used words to multiply food. Jesus used words to provide for people in need, to feed people. He used words to calm people. He used words to silence people and weather. You you see what I'm saying here? Um, He used words to call, and he used words to cast out. He used words to forgive, and he used words to rebuke. So, When he's saying the word is near you, even in your mouth, that is the word of faith which we speak. We have have, um, believed and therefore we have spoken. Um, We see that Jesus, as is the case with all things, set the example for us in this. You see, Jesus spoke to people and Jesus spoke to evil spirits. Jesus spoke to fevers. Are fevers a thing? Yes, they are, see. So I'm just trying to show you the, the, the broad brush that, that the Word of God is painting with here on purpose. Um, so what then shall we say to these things? Um, Jesus, we see him speaking um, to fever, and we see him speaking to fig trees. A fig tree's a thing, right? Um, as, as Brother Keith Moore says, who knew fevers had ears, right? Um, but again... Um, Jesus spoke to fevers. Was he just being silly? Was he just being desperate? No, he spoke to the fever, and guess what? The fever clearly heard him because the fever left when he told it to go. All right? So 
This, this is the, the, the word of faith. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that the centurion understood all of these specific details, but whether or not he understood um, the, the specifics and the details and the all-inclusive nature of this or not, he certainly understood that if Jesus just simply spoke the word, then whatever he said was going to come to pass. Now... What will you say to these things? In other words, how are you going to respond? And, I, and, and certainly I do mean, you know, specifically, if, if you receive some disappointing news, what are you going to say? How are you going to respond? You're going to talk about how nothing ever works out for you? You're going to just, you know, spew out all kinds of negativity? Or are you going to say, you know what, I don't understand why this didn't go the way that it went. Um, that's, not cert- that's certainly not what we were praying and believing for. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lived another day to know the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, Father, I commit this t- to you. I'm not leaning to my own understanding. I'm asking you to show me. and get Again, how, how are we going to respond? What are we going to say to these things? A diagnosis is a thing. A fever is a thing. Uh, a bill is a thing. Are you, are you, you follow what I'm saying? And, and so the question then is, no matter what it is, how are you going to respond? And so specifically, we have things in the scriptures that we should use and say and respond. But listen to me, please. I'm not, that's not what I'm here to teach on tonight. I'm talking about from a, from a, a more broader understanding, okay? So let me, let me try to get to it, and then we'll finish, all right? How are you going to respond are you going to respond as if Jesus needs to come down here and fix it for you? Do you see what, do you see what I mean by this? Because this is, this is where a lot of people are in their understanding. That we're just sitting around. To them, waiting on God means waiting for God to get around to doing it. That's not what it means to wait on the Lord. To wait on the Lord means you're expecting Him to do it. Let, let, watch this now. Because we said something a long time ago, and we, we've repeated it many times since, okay? One of the key ways that you can know you're in faith is if you're in faith, you're in rest about it. If, if you're in turmoil, if, if, if you're in you know, worry and fret and fear and anxiety, then you're not in faith. Because when you're in faith, you're at rest, Okay? That's not, it's just a good way to determine whether or not you're in faith about a situation. Because when you're truly and genuinely in faith about it, you're at rest. Okay? Now, here is an addendum to that. Here's how you can know if you're truly expecting. Are you hearing me? Yeah, th- those who expect Jehovah passed to power. Waiting on the Lord. Remember we said if I'm in the dentist, I had a 2 o'clock appointment, it's 10 minutes after 2 and they haven't called me yet, I'm waiting, okay? What does that mean? It means I'm expecting to be the next person called. See, that, to wait means to expect, right? And this is what the Lord, he just kind of, you know, I was going back over all that Sunday, and this is what he, he took it one more notch for me, okay? He says, and the longer you wait, the greater the expectation." See, if I'm expecting to be called at five minutes after two, at 20 minutes after two, I'm really expecting to be the next person called. At 2.45, I'm expecting to be called more at 2.45. 
you know, sometimes, you know, how, especially that late in the day, I'm no bashing anybody's doctor or dentist or any of that stuff, you know, but sometimes that late in the day, you almost just, you know, you, you, you get there at 10 minutes to 2 expecting to be called 10 minutes after 2. You understand what I'm saying, right? But at 2.45, you're expecting at a higher level than you were. You see, you see what I'm saying here, right? So that's, that's one of the ways that you know you've believed you've already received and are expecting Jehovah. Amen. It's because the longer you wait, you know, the more expectancy builds. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, my darling daughter, obviously, she is great with child, okay? Amen, All right? Well, she's been expecting for several months now. But you understand, there is a greater expectation now than there was, you know, six months ago. Yes, you, you see what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So, what then shall we say to these things? How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond as if Jesus needs to come down here and fix it for us? Or are we going to respond as if Jesus never raised from the dead? Stand with me, praise God. Do you see the difference there? In other words, because we know what he's done for us. Are you with me? Because we know what he's done for us. And because we know he's raised from the dead. How about this? Are we going to respond as if Jesus never came? Are we going to respond as if he never did anything for us? Are we going to respond as if he lost the battle with death, hell, and the grave? See, I think sometimes we see that about, you know, Jesus come back, go to the abyss and get Jesus to come back for us. We think, well, man, we believe we're saved. We believe Jesus raised from the dead. But have we reckoned ourselves resurrected? You know, in other words, he's talking about what has been accomplished in him being raised from the dead. Him being raised from the dead means he won a victory over death, hell, and the grave. He's defeated the enemy. So, you know, are we, are, do we have that understanding? Are we responding to the enemy as if he's been defeated? Or are we responding to the enemy as if he has not been defeated by Jesus? Amen. All right. Did you get anything out of this? All right, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for helping us tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And thank you that you're with us and you're for us and you're among us and you're in us. But we're not waiting on you to come do something for us that you haven't already done. You have delivered us. You have redeemed us. You have reconciled us. You have freely given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And by your stripes, we were healed You paid the price. You paid it in full. There's nothing left to be paid because there's nothing else owed. And so, Jesus, we thank you for that. Help us to understand what that means, Lord, to our lives. And help us respond to the situations that we face in life based upon these truths and these realities. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As always, thank you so much.